concepts that I learned from my mentor. There is someone that I've seen as one of my main mentors over the years. You know, you could have relationships of unlocking or relationships at a distance, coaches and mentors, and managers, and all of that that could contribute to you in a really significant way. But I think inevitably the people who end up making the biggest difference are those that you are in direct communication with. So this is someone that has been, you know, I've been by their side creating projects with them and they, they've been by my side helping support my project. And there are really three key things I learned from them that sort of ended up steering the direction of where we're going versus where things went with Music Entrepreneur HQ in the past. And I mean, Music Entrepreneur HQ was a grand experiment. We had so much fun with it. We tried a whole bunch of stuff and made lots of mistakes and, and learned from them. And I think a lot of people are just afraid to do that if they went out and started making projects, started messing things up. You know, go make a mess the thing that often got repeated even in whether it's network marketing or in the leadership circles, the leadership programs that I've been a part of, go make a mess. That's what people who are doing things, who really accomplish things, are doing. That they're not trying to figure everything out before they start. Never. Make the commitment first and then start getting into motion and action and then course adjust as you need to go. This is really how it works. This is how courses are developed, right? At least the good ones, because it gives you way more leverage. You can share your course content with your audience before it's ever done. And you can test your stuff and see what people resonate with and see what works. Anyway, number one concept that I learned from a mentor that has really made a difference is analog versus digital. I reinterpreted it into my own ecosystem to make sense for me, but his whole contention was just like, I was doing so much digital marketing stuff. I learned a lot. And I think, I mean, that's what a good entrepreneur would do is they would go and learn the trade. They would go and figure out how marketing works because marketing really is it's your direct connection to revenue. If you don't have marketing, if you don't have good marketing, you can't create revenue in your business. And so I don't think my my intentions or, or even my priorities were misplaced. I think that they were in the right place. But I, I spent so much time like creating content and sharing social media and sending emails and really feeling disappointed with, with some of the results you're getting. And something that he brought to me over and over again, my mentor brought to me over and over and over again was like, yeah, but you know, I tend to think way more analog than that. I'm thinking like if I look at events how many people will actually come out and keep you would often say, you know, that that's way more of a confirmation of how your project is doing versus like passive content that people can just like, comment, or share, or just not even look at or respond to. And he's so right, because we publish a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily do anything, and it's easy to get discouraged with that. I think you have to just keep going. That's what I've learned anyway is that you have to just keep going with it no matter what. But, yeah, when you've done that for years and years, you, you can easily feel discouraged, like things aren't going anywhere and you must be doing something wrong because all your mentors around you are telling or coaches around you are telling you something. This is how it's done, so just follow this method and you'll get there. And you don't seem to achieve or accomplish the results that they, for some reason, seem to be very easily achieved for them, which really leads right into the second concept, but I'll get there. You know, 
the, the first concept, how that informs things was, I need to create something where I'm trusting flesh. And it doesn't have to be weekly. It doesn't have to be monthly. Uh, annually might be a little too, you know, not quite enough interaction, but, but that's where I started looking at all my experiences and the working models that I acquainted myself with and network marketing and some of their training groups they'll, they'll have like four major functions a year. So I said, that's, that's the model. That's it. Like if I create four major events per year, then I'm basing my activity on something that's already working. Not only that, but it's actually creating a physical presence where we can gauge the difference that we're making for people and whether they're enjoying themselves, whether they're entertained, and what content resonates. So it's an excellent opportunity to test, but it's also an excellent opportunity to just stop, think, what is going to resonate? Like, how can we hit the ball out of the park with every single piece of content or every song that we present at these events? And so that's where the focus ends up turning to. Concept number two would be, like, who do you listen to? Now, one of the people that offers the best possible training on this that you could ever find is Kevin Trudeau as far as this topic is concerned. No one could articulate it better or express it more clearly in a way that can be gotten than Kevin Trudeau. But my mentor basically, you know, he kind of implied, I think. He, he's not the type of guy to necessarily come out and point something out and be super direct about it. I think he, he said something along the lines of, when I was talking about the type of results that I saw other people achieving and what I knew to be possible, he would just go like, yeah, you know, but some of these people, like, maybe they have an incentive to do what they're doing or maybe, like, their method worked at one point, but now it doesn't work or maybe they got lucky. And it was really just his way of pointing to the fact that, like, who do you listen to when it comes to getting advice? in your business or your career and the things that you're up to in life. And that really, like, I'm already the guy that says question everything. And I realized there was one area of life where I was not questioning. And that was the people that I looked up to, the people that I admire as my coaches. And you know what? It actually turned out to be a very healthy thing for me to start doubting a little bit. Start looking at what they, what they had taught me and how I'd applied it and whether it worked for me or not was one of the healthiest things that I feel like I really could have done at that stage was to start separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Like, this, this stuff's good, you know, and I want to continue using it in my business or my music career, but this other stuff, maybe it's just like certain outrageous claims that they make, and you go and follow their advice and they don't work and they don't get you the results that they said they would get you, you sort of have to go like, yeah, okay, maybe there were some things that I messed up, maybe I didn't execute perfectly, but if you kind of stay in, in that space too long, it can really sacrifice a lot of self-image. Like you can start to doubt yourself if you stay in that space for too long. I think at that point, you stop, you reflect, you start over. Based on what you now know, if you went and published for a full year, for example, and didn't get the results that you were hoping for, you stop, you reflect, you think about what worked, you think about what didn't work, and you create a new plan for what it's going to look like to publish daily. That's how I think about it now. But simply the act of publishing daily, does that give you a dream business, a dream career? No. That act alone will not get you there. I already tried it. I did it twice. It did not solve all my financial problems. So 
Sorry, Russell. It was something that once I started doing it, and once I had accomplished it more than once, this whole act of publishing daily, I realized it was something that I wanted to continue to because I found a lot of value in it. And there is a lot of value in it. And you will find your voice doing it. And you will find your audience doing it. And you will be able to interview and connect with great people that you might not otherwise be able to. But you just, you have to have that framing. Like, why are you doing it? Without knowing why you're doing it, that whole thing, I mean, it's just a discipline, right? I would say even working out, you've got to know why you're doing it to be able to keep up with it long term. You can easily fall off of exercise plans, and I've done that far too many times. There are definitely more times than I can count. So you always got to be mindful of that. And then third concept was community enterprise. I, I think, I don't know, I haven't heard it elsewhere, so it could even be a term that he specifically coined. But community enterprise being like entrepreneurial community. Now, when we think community, we all have our different associations with it. Some of us have positive experiences, some of us have negative experiences. And then sometimes we have that perception that if it's community or if you're a community artist, you must be rinky-dink. And we had a lot of conversations around that because we're like, that's never the perception that we want to put out with our community projects. We never want people to, to view it or think of it as being rinky-dink because it's not. We want to put out quality events and bring in quality artists who may not be known but definitely know what they're doing. And so we always aspire to a certain quality in creating these community events, and, and this was one of those guiding principles. Now, entrepreneurial community being, in my mentor's case, of those two words, community was always a bigger one. If you saw them side by side, enterprise would be the small word, and community would appear much, much bigger. And that's not wrong. I think there was just always a part of him that was, very humble, and although he could have started thinking a little bit more as an enterprise in terms of getting sponsors and charging tickets and doing other things that probably would have maybe helped us break even or even earn a small profit, his internal compass didn't really lead him there, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, and if some of you are like, yeah, I can bankroll 10 events this year, and I want to, do it, right? But... I'm not necessarily in that position. And so with the events that we're doing with has really become about, first of all, like how do we serve the audience? That's number one. That is, as a core principle, it's still there. Like what songs should be played? Who should be there as a featured artist? And if I'm to give presentations, what sort of presentation would have people engaged? And, I mean, a big part of that, I've realized is storytelling, actually, but there's nothing that I'm leaving on the table in the enterprise community. I'm definitely going, like, what are the income sources? Do we need sponsors? Do we need to charge tickets? Is there going to be a merch booth at the back? Are we going to have order forms prepared? And the answer is pretty much yes. Is there going to be an offer on the back end where people can access the content that we just filmed that weekend? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Like, that is what we're going to do because in my view or from my perspective, enterprise appears just as big as the word community does. I don't know if it appears bigger than community. I really learned so much in those community years, and I might even miss them, but when I was going through this, <laughs> it wasn't all fun and games. But from about 2015 to 2019, and I would even say... 
you know, there was a little bit of a break in there with the pandemic, but it's, in fact, those community endeavors still continued well into 2022. So I'll say from about 2015 to 2022, those were my community years and observing and watching and seeing what's working and, and seeing what's not working and, and seeing what mistakes are, are being made and how I could have an event that is not better because better's not quite the right term, but how I can have an event that ends up serving the purpose of the mission of what we're about to accomplish in every way, not just for the audience, although that's the biggest piece, but for me and for the future guys and for anyone else involved in organizing and helping with the event, how can I ensure that there's an outcome that everybody can be satisfied with? And that's my whole thing about win, win, win. If all you have is a win, you, you probably don't have anything that's terribly exciting yet. Now, don't get me wrong, if, if it's going to be a win in your life, it can impact all areas of your life and end up helping you and giving you a boost in every regard. So, win being personal achievement. Like, personal achievement, I went out and did a whole bunch of stuff, and I got credit, and I became a best-selling author, and I got an award-winning composer, but ultimately, like, that stuff didn't really help others. I mean, the, the content I created did, but me going out and getting those accomplishments didn't necessarily help others. It just helps me be more credible and authoritative in a way. Like, people look to me for advice because they can see that I've accomplished certain things. But then you've got win-win, and a, and a win-win is a really great thing. Oftentimes, it helps certain people to the exclusion of others, which I don't want to paint that in a bad picture because it's not. And I think it's where a lot of traditional businesses got started. It's like, it's going to benefit us as a company, and it's going to benefit our investors, or it's going to benefit our board of directors. Yes, their products may have ultimately helped end up benefiting the end customer too, but that was never the focus so much as let's benefit ourselves and our benefactors, right? So I think that's how a lot of business ultimately got started. But a win-win is really good, especially when you're pitching things, sending emails out to people you might want to connect with, influencers, podcasters, bloggers, and what have you, publicists, media. The win-win is, is like the perfect place to stand from. If you approach people, uh, you know, with a pitch that's just a win, like just focused on you and personal achievement, most of the time it sucks. It just does not work because you're trying to get something out of someone and do they really want to give that to you? And why would they give that to you? And then that's why musicians are like, why is everything a financial conversation? It's only that if you don't look for the win-win. If, you, if all you do is pitch for yourself and have that be a win, let me get this feature on your blog, but don't talk at all about how that's going to benefit them. It's not a win-win. That's why it becomes a financial discussion. If you had taken time and the effort to think about what would have been a win-win in the first place and had done your effing research you would have realized that you could create a win-win for every single person you're pitching to, and it would get a much higher chance of being accepted. So a lot of people are just shotgunning and hoping for the win when you could be, there's just so much opportunity to outclass everyone with pitching because most people really suck at it. So learn that skill, and that'll be in the Renegade Musician book as well. It's for a win-win-win. This is where I've seen the biggest opportunity of my life. And, I, and so far, it's only happened twice 
that I can even think of, and I would say these ideas more often than not are spiritually inspired, divinely inspired, who knows, I can't put it into words, there's no way to articulate it, but it's an idea that's almost like given to me or given by a muse or it's inspired in some way. Those are the business ideas that I feel have the price potential. And the win-win-win being if you can win, if the company can win, and if your customers can win, then you've created something that has the potential to blow up. It may not always. Things can still go wrong even when you have the best of ideas. And I learned my lesson there with a company that shall go unnamed, at least for this podcast episode. So don't think that just because you've got a win-win-win idea that it's ultimately going to succeed. But if you can benefit three different parties with whatever enterprise or project you may be launching, there's just nothing like it. It's one of the most exciting things. So look for the win-win-win. Those are the most exciting opportunities. Unlock the secrets to skyrocketing your productivity, boosting performance, and maximizing profits with my latest premium guide, the Productivity, Performance, and Profits Black Book. Tailored for independent artists and entrepreneurs, this comprehensive resource is your roadmap to turning ideas into reality. Say goodbye to abandoned projects collecting dust on your shelves or buried in your hard drives. It's time to bring your vision to life. Grab your free copy of the Productivity, Performance, and Profits Black Book now at davidandrewweeb.com slash blackbook. That's W-I-E-B-E. Don't miss out on the key to unlocking your success.